Good morning, everybody. This is Waking Up with Wendy. Uh, obviously, your host here, Wendy, at 10.54 a.m. Eastern Standard Time here on a beautiful Friday morning, live from Room 213 in Sparta, New Jersey. I just want to thank everybody for joining the podcast here this morning. On this episode, oh, oh my goodness, you are in for a real special treat here. No pun intended. We got Halloween coming up, so maybe that was a lame dad joke. I don't really know. But I'd like to introduce a special guest here this morning coming from California, San Francisco in particular. We have Barat Canodia. And I want to thank Barat for taking the time out of his busy schedule to join us here at Stock Showdown. However, instead of me monopolizing all the time, which I sometimes often do, uh, I'm going to turn it over to Barat and uh, let him introduce himself to you, the Stock Showdown audience. So Barat, without further ado, the audience is yours. Hey, hey, William, thank you for having me. That was perfect pronunciation of my name. Um, So I appreciate it. Um, uh, it, It's great to be here. Uh, Thank God it's Friday. Yes, indeed. And, and with my students, uh, you know, to kind of add, not to say insult to injury, but really what they got excited about here is that Halloween is this weekend. It's a Friday. So kind of it's a double whammy and, and they're very excited for the weekend. Um, I'm going to be playing again your videos. I've uh, been really intrigued by your YouTube videos uh, that you shared with me through Podmatch uh, on, on how to value it, how you value companies. And um, you know, that will probably be the first question I have for you uh, because we're talking about valuations. Uh, how do these venture capitalists uh, look at these startup companies and, and how do they place value on some of these startup organizations? Can you provide some any insight as far as valuation? Because I know that's your specialty. Sure, sure. A pre-revenue startup, which may not have a product and is just an idea phase, um, as a rule of thumb, two guys, an idea, and two laptops working out of a garage is worth about a million dollars. So if you're looking to raise, say, 200000 bucks, you're going to have to give away about 20% and again that's a very dirty rule of thumb for companies that are just incorporated and it's two guys and two laptops and an idea now when you start getting traction and you start uh, making revenue say you made uh, 400,000 in revenue um, as a rule of thumb again um, because at that point your company is not profitable you cannot um, measure valuation based on any profitability metrics. So the only metric they have is revenue. And venture capitalists, um, they invest in company for growth. So ideally, they're just going to be looking at how fast your company is growing and how soon you can get to maybe 10 million or 20 million or what have you. Um, And as a rule of thumb, your valuation in such an early stage can be anywhere from 10 to 20x of your revenue. Uh, you know, and, you know that was a great answer, and I'm not just looking for that uh, that response. <laughs> admittedly and selfishly, I suppose, for my audience, I'm actually uh, very curious uh, for myself 
um, as a, as a, I guess I could, I, I don't know, <laughs> classify myself as a budding entrepreneur. Um, I created the Stock Showdown as an idea in 2019 when I had a student come up to me and ask me if he could watch a basketball tournament in class. And I, I immediately dismissed the idea, but then it really came to light to basically take a passion of mine, which is investing in, in, in the stock market and combine that with like the aspects of fantasy and competitive sports. So right now, uh, it's just nothing more like kind of you described is instead of two individuals in a garage with a laptop, it's one individual myself in my basement with a computer. And I'm just trying to get to that point to, to build brand recognition and generate a, an interest in the platform. And at the moment of trying to raise capital so I can hire developers and a legal team to help me get to the next stage. <clears throat> So, do you have any insight on that? <laughs> uh, yes, um, and, and a friend of mine is in a similar situation. And the issue here, William, is the media has really made us believe that raising venture capital is one easy, and second is the only option to scale or grow your company. Um, one of the things that are that is most important in any business is go to market and actually um, getting customer feedback and generating revenue. Um, and believe me, if your um, startup is generating revenue, William, and it's doing well and it's growing fast, you honestly don't need to look for venture capitalists. They will find you because they want to put their money to work at good places. Um, and as you are looking for developers um, and technical partners, look for people who are just not going to be asking for cash up front. Um, look for people who are willing to invest um, in you and your company and themselves. Um, and, and, and that investment will stick uh, relative to cash payouts to any such developers. So if a developer comes to you and says, um, I want so-and-so cash and I want equity in the company, um, I'd say run because they should understand that right now there's really not much revenue to pay them out. Um, and if they don't realize that, they're probably not the best people for you. Um, the ones who would say to you that, look, um, you can give me cash compensation once we start having some revenue, but for now, just give me an equity in the company. Um, those are the kind of people you want to work with so long as they know what they're doing. That really is definitely beneficial uh, piece of advice, Barat. Again, and selfishly uh, for me, because that's what I'm struggling with right now is um, trying to do it all, basically. Um, yeah. and create the platform from an idea and admittedly I don't have the time to do that I'd love to learn how to build the platform um, but with four kids of my own at home and a full-time teaching job it, time is uh, non-existent basically so the only time I do grind it out is at about 4 4 a.m. in the morning where I can get the work in but trying to build the, my platform by itself that's where I'm trying to delegate responsibilities to, to a development team. 
but I, I really appreciate the insight as far as um, avoiding the the cash distribution for a company that actually is not generating any money and look to give away an equity stake instead. Yeah, because people who don't understand that, uh, William, they they will not understand you and the situation you're in. You know, they're all mercenaries. Um, you want people who are going to stick by you. Um, you know, many schools. I'm I'm uh, I'm an advisor at UC Berkeley, um, and many schools um, out in the East Coast as well. They have um, uh, university accelerators. Where they accept cohorts, um, you know, fifty to one hundred company every semester, um, and they coach you. And at the end of the semester, you have, um, you know, an MVP, depending on how it's set up, an MVP, and then they also give you some seed money to go on into the sunset. Um, maybe that is something you can look at. And I, I frankly, William, uh, I admire you. Um, I, I have a. Um, innate respect for teachers and uh, people who like to share their knowledge, um, ever big or small, it doesn't matter. It's all about sharing and bringing up the good in others. So I applaud you for that. Thank you very much. I, I, I have a genuine passion for what I do, and I hope that that passion uh, exudes and transcends to my students. And, and I feel like, you know, um, taking my passion for stock market and competitive in fantasy sports. And truth be told, I wanted to be a broadcaster in, in high school. I wanted to work for like ESPN. <laughs> so having a podcast basically allows me to kind of like fulfill my dream of, of broadcasting. So I didn't know where it was going and it, it just kind of has taken off now. Have you had a chance to see my podcast episode in which I'm talking about what's a podcast worth? I have not, but I'm writing it down right now to put it on my list of things to do in my queue here. If you ever get a chance to see it, uh, we had fun with that episode. Um, if you, um, you know, you'll see two of me in that show, and that's not because you're probably intoxicated, because that's the way it's designed. Um, and, and in that episode, I talk about that what podcasting or um, influencing has done. It's leveled the playing field, as um, you know, you know, the book says, the world is flat. So no longer you have to wait for um, a big shot studio executive to greenlit your show. You know, no longer you have to wait for somebody to die to take their radio spot. You can just start, and so long as you're willing to. Um, you know, do the trek. Um, you can make it up the hill. Well, thank you. That's uh, <laughs> that's encouraging to hear. And uh, yeah, I think again, levels the playing field, the barriers of entry are are low. And um, yeah, just again, trying to make an impact with my audience, let my audience grow, word of mouth, uh, and continue to build the platform the best I can. So again, I appreciate all the insight and the words of encouragement. Uh, so. One of, uh, and you said, you know, you have podcasts, you have YouTube channels. I really loved uh, some of the YouTube videos uh, that you had out there so much that I've, I've shared them with my students and I'm going to continue to share them with my students later this afternoon when they come into class. Uh, the one that really uh, stood out to me because it's, it's really, you know, kind of gaining in pop culture right now and it's really a buzz around 
I guess my high school students are NFTs. Um, can you can you explain? I guess in, in its simplest form, like if I were a high school student, and that's kind of who my audience is, to us, so a high school student, how would you explain NFTs to a high school student? How do you value them? Uh, explain their importance and significance in the in the digital 21st century. Yeah, absolutely. Um, NFTs are a digitized and a trackable, traceable version of anything. For example, um, the uh, NFL. They've got literally miles and miles of recordings or reels uh, of historic uh, plays. Now they don't know what to do with it, right? So they once in a while let somebody use it, get a little royalty, and that's it. Otherwise, it sits in a closet somewhere. Now they can sell those um, clippings or those plays as NFTs. In a digitized format, so it's um, similar to how um, when you buy prints of paintings, you know, you might see, uh, you know, one out of four hundred or ten out of four hundred. So basically, that means there are four hundred prints, and you have the tenth one or the twentieth one. Um, NFTs are similar to that, and it is just a new asset class. But the beautiful thing about NFTs is you could set it up any way you want. So, for example. Uh, when Picasso sold his paintings, he sold his earlier work for literally pennies on the dollar because he was a poor, starting, start, starving artist. But in subsequent years, when his paintings were sold for millions, Picasso never saw a dime of that. Whereas with NFTs, as um, the asset gets transferred from one owner to the next, you could set up the NFT. So that the original creator or the artist is also getting a cut of that transaction.、Um, so I think again, this is democratizing、um, a, a lot of uh, the uh, commerce around、uh, in, in the art world,、um, and it just creates a whole new level of a whole new class of assets. Um, so, so I am actually more bullish on NFTs、um, than I am on Bitcoin or crypto.、Um, even though I understand NFTs are a derivative of crypto or Ethereum,、um, but I think NFT is definitely here to stay. And、uh, you know, NFT sounds alien to many people, but、uh, so did PDF and so did EM email. When I heard email for the first time, I was like, what is email? Um, but you know, people will use it. People will get used to it, and、uh, we'll have to worry about something else in the next twenty years.、Um, <laughs> it's funny you should mention that, looking like you're an alien, because when I said、uh, I have a guest on my podcast with my students、uh, this morning, and I said something to the effect of, "Yeah, we're going to be talking NFTs," and like I had that like blank. Glaze stare, like what are you talking about? And and then that's when I rolled in with your YouTube video、um, from your channel, and they were like, "Yeah, I still don't really understand." So I was like, "All right, just wait till this weekend when the podcast comes out, and hopefully
um, Marat will be able to explain in greater length um, you know, the purpose of NFT. So I, I again, appreciate the, the response on that. I think uh, it's, it's value, which you said might even be more valuable than, than crypto or, or Bitcoin as a whole is really intriguing um, because everything that we do, um, not everything, but I, again, from your video, you know, we still need those tangible assets like the car and the house and, and all those things. But everything else, this is the way that we're heading. And I believe this is a, a game changing, revolutionary thing that is, is here to stay. Most definitely. Uh, I, I think uh, we haven't even scratched the surface here. So then how does how, how would you suggest maybe to a high school student? Uh, and this could be a very loaded question. Uh, because of all the popularity of, of things like blockchain and, and crypto and, and decentralized finance and NFTs, what would be your suggestion to a high school student who, who wants to start to dabble and, and start to make these types of investments in these types of asset classes? Take a picture of anything you may find interesting. Take a picture of the sunset. If you have a beautiful girlfriend, take a picture of your girlfriend. Get permission first. Take a picture of your favorite painting. Go to the Met. Well, no, well, that might have some copyright issues. Don't do that. Um, but take a picture of anything that's your favorite. And then try to create an NFT out of it. You'll stumble. You'll struggle. But you will make an NFT out of it. And see how that works for you. The best way to do something, um, William, is to do it you know just stopping and saying that i don't know how to do it well if you don't know how to do it if you don't try you'll never know how to do it i don't know how to make videos i've never made videos in my life i mean but i just put it on myself that hey this is what i'm going to do i didn't think of myself as a writer but i write like one blog a week um so the only way to learn is to just jump in and do it so just create an nft something simple and try to sell it for five cents see if it sells for five cents next time try to sell it for 20 cents and see take it from there um you know i two a couple different things uh, one is you know i was reluctant at first um to, to launch my launch my business because i wanted it to be perfect and obviously there's no such thing and if you continue to wait for something to be perfect at the perfect time, it's never going to happen. So I actually got some really good advice from a, from a friend of mine uh, who just said, just just jump right in. You just got to dive right in and you'll figure it out. And I'm glad I you know, took his advice. I didn't know how to podcast, never podcasted before. And I, I just jumped right in. And, you know, the same will hold true for other types of, of things where I'm just going to jump right out there and take that leap of faith and figure it out. And I think you're right with the NFTs is, is just, just put it out there, just do something. Now, what platforms would you suggest that these particular students uh, use to, to, to put out their own NFTs? Is there a strategy behind that? Do you have any suggestions on what platforms to use to do that? That, William, I am not an expert at, uh, but I am sure each platform is good as the other. Um, start somewhere, see if you like it. If not, you know, you'll find another one. And, and I'm sure that these NFTs appreciate in value uh, based upon the, the producer of said NFT and, and they gain notoriety based upon said producers. Is that, 
Is that pretty much fair to say? That's the way it's supposed to work theoretically. Um, but uh, you know, some artists again sell their work for millions, and some artists don't. Um, why is that? Um, you know, some artists become famous after they die. Um, again, it, it, NFTs um, is really a supply and demand game, no different than the housing market. Um, so, the good thing is the supply of NFTs is limitless because you could create an NFT out of everything. Now, which is good, but that could also be bad because the supply is limitless, the, and the demand for now is limited. Um, the prices are going to be go, going down because what happens when the supply is high and the demand is low? Uh, but if you can create an NFT out of something uh, where the supply is low and the demand might be high, now you might be onto something. So, for example, again, um, I'm, I'm just trying to wrap my head around uh, this new, you know, I guess asset class or, or piece of technology that it's out there. Um, and you had said in your video about NFTs that they could be in the form of JPEGs, um, you know, an MP3, a video, things of that nature. Um, let's just say, for example, maybe I wanted to record a record a lesson on, on um, break-even analysis. I actually, truth be told, and that came to mind because I'm staring at one of my uh, whiteboards and I'll be covering break-even analysis uh, this afternoon. So like, let's say I wanted to videotape and record myself. Could I make my NF, uh, my, excuse me, my break-even analysis lesson into an NFT? Most definitely, yes. And I think maybe that's where you should start. Maybe that's an experiment you could do with your students. Um, so record the record the uh, lecture on break-even analysis. Try to keep it short um, and uh, create an NFT out of it. Um, and that's a that that could be another lesson. Um, you know, creating an NFT out of something that could be another NFT. Um, it, it, NFT is nothing but just a work of art, right? My, my daughter doodles something on her uh, scrapbook um, and I take a picture of it, that could be an NFT. Um, you know, my first driving lesson, you know, when I was 15 years old, somebody with an iPhone, if some you know, iPhone existed back then, so somebody took a video of it and created an NFT. Well, that's an NFT. I mean, every TikTok video could become an NFT. Um, so I think what you're saying is a great idea. I mean, just having this conversation right now is, is blowing my mind um, because of the opportunity that exists in that. Now, uh, like I said, like, what's the worst that can happen? So, like, I'm already doing the lesson. I might as well record it and put it out there. And maybe some teacher from San Francisco or wherever that teaches business or finance wants to learn about break-even analysis could buy that NFT. Do I have that correct? Absolutely. I mean, NFT is a new asset class. For example, when Facebook came out or Friendster came out, that was a new asset class. Social media was something 
new, a new industry that they created. NFT is something similar. It's a new asset class. We're just scratching the surface. Who knows where this rabbit hole is going to take us? Wow. Um, I, you know, didn't anticipate our our discussion going in this route. But again, you have blown my mind. I am, I, I think I'm more excited now uh, than I have been in quite some time because of the opportunity uh, that exists in this space. And I hope that that transcends to my students. Now, before we part, uh, because I only have a few more minutes here. Uh, you know, you had mentioned crypto uh, in, in, a, in a previous answer. What do you see as, as far as the, the role long term uh, for a cryptocurrency? You know, again, I, I feel like it's the space as a whole. Um, you can get overwhelmed with the amount of cryptocurrencies that are out there. What do you see as far as its role long term in the in the financial space and in, in everything that we do? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I'd love to pontificate on this, but I hate to tell you, it is just me pontificating. I got nothing to really support my answer, but I'll tell you what my thought is around this, and you can take it for what it's worth. Um, any asset in the world is always backed by something, right? So say you when you buy General Motors stock, that stock is backed by the assets owned by General Motors, the factories, the inventory, the employees, etc. When you buy a house, right, you make a payment for the land and the building and the rights to use that house. When you buy a watch, you pay that money to get the right to use and wear that watch. When I'm paying money for Bitcoin or any crypto, what am I getting? The right to use that asset for what? For selling? I mean, outside of that, what is the purpose of that asset? I don't get that. And because I have difficulty isolating the purpose of that asset, except for commerce, that means Bitcoin is nothing more than just currency. And if something is currency, that means it's going to be competing against the current currency that's out there, which is issued by the government. Um, and that could cause an issue because uh, one thing government does not like is competition. Um, have you ever heard of two governments? No. Um, so Bitcoin, I think it's a noble thing. It's a good thing. It might be helping people, um, but it could also cause issues once it starts competing with the dollar or other currencies. I mean, some countries have issued Bitcoin as the currency because they got they got nothing else to bank on. Um, but the strength of the U.S. economy ever since World War II has been. The U.S. dollar, and we as Americans, we don't realize that how much of our lives and how much of our luxury and um, the promised land that we have is based on that U.S. dollar. And anything starts to challenge that, um, we're going to have major issues. I mean, I, I could follow that up with a, 
<laughs> a series of, of multiple questions. Um, however, we're cutting short on time here. I got my next set of kids coming in. Uh, so I really want to thank Barat for his time today. Uh, it was the Stock Showdown audience. Barat, we'd love to have you again on the, on the show. Uh, maybe down the road, but I'll follow up with you at a later date. Do you have any final parting words for the Stock Showdown audience here this morning, Barat? Whenever you think of valuations, think in terms of three things, growth, profit, and risk. Um, and, and you will never go wrong. And if somebody tells you otherwise, call bullshit on it. Um, things that are most valuable are the ones that show high growth or have high profitability or have least risk. If you follow these three metrics, you will never go wrong. So always find metrics or KPIs that follow these three parameters. Spectacular answer, Marat. Uh, this has been in a, a scintillating, riveting interview. Very glad that we could do that uh, here this morning. Thank you again for your time. And this is Wendy signing off to the Stock Showdown audience. God bless, and we'll see you soon.